We all know that cars mean traffic, errands, and budgets. But they should also represent freedom and fun. Join us as we work to find everyone a car they'll love. I'm Paul. I'm Todd. And this is the Everyday Driver Car Debate. So we just went to dinner, and I'm actually wondering about getting a 996 now after riding in yours. By the way, thank you for being back on the podcast. Chance is back while Todd is away. He is editing our film, our Corvette film, because it needs a lot of edit work to meet the picture lock cutoff so we can get the color and mix done and then get it out to all of you guys. So thanks for being with us. Happy Tuesday. Chance is back with me for a Topic Tuesday. Yes, I am. And Todd is... You know, locked in a closet somewhere, just <laughs> slaving away. I mean, he, that man he has actually just is. been yeah. working so hard, and I can I can relate because I did a lot of the initial cutting of yeah of the interviews. And yeah, it took Colin a lot selects. of time. Just what I was doing. So yep. I, I yeah, he's doing a lot. Yeah, it's looking it's, great. Uh, it's looking great. It's just yeah, it's beating on all of us, and it it continues up to the very end for audio stuff that we've been missing, interior shots that we're missing. Anyway, I'm going to let you guys decide when the film comes out. We're going to be very proud of it, but it remains one of those things. It's just a fight to the very end. I still can't believe it. Yeah, we were just counting. We had what three fires, near misses with animals. <laughs> uh, yeah. we, we won't spoil it all, but there, there's yeah, a lot exactly. of stuff. We'll do a debrief on the film, probably, well, hopefully with all of us, uh, including Edgar, and maybe we can get Ben on as well, but we'll get everybody on and kind of talk through once the film drops here in another couple of weeks, but we will definitely keep you posted and let you know where all the outlets of the film will be. It will initially be a premiere here in Park City, and if you're listening to this and you are local, or if you want to fly in, that's fine too. We'd love to have you at the premiere. It is at the Park City Public Library at the Jim Santee Auditorium on December 15th. And it's about from 1 to 4 p.m., so we'll start the film about 2 p.m., and it's it's going to be a good length, too. We've got a lot of cars to get through. Yeah, this and it's, it's 13 a, cars. It's a Sundance venue, too, so it's not just some little tiny little theater. It's, it's a pretty legit theater. It is. It's a great theater. It probably seats about 300 people, and we're hoping to have a lot of people show up. So if you're, uh, like I said, listening to this and you want to come... We would love to have you. So we'll be sending out uh, social media and uh, you know keeping you guys posted as well on that. But I was just thinking about your car riding around in the snow. It is crazy winter here in Park City. Yeah, we saw minus Not one degrees where... <laughs> outside. I didn't tell you that. We saw minus one on the dash <laughs> on the way here. And where you live, it's actually quite a bit lower. I think you guys are at, what, 4,000 elevation? Yeah, we're at like 4,500. We're like 63 here. Yeah. Right? Something like that. Yeah, we, we actually, some of you, if you saw on Instagram, we had a, a crazy storm yesterday in uh, the valley. <laughs> yeah, you guys we had, had snow. We had uh, probably about six inches at our house. Yeah, and I still had the summer tires on, so I quickly drove the car to my driveway, jacked up the car in the snow. I like how you wait to the very <laughs> last minute. Oh, it's snowing! I better put on the winter well, tires. The, the storm came out of nowhere. I was planning on doing it this weekend, anyways. <laughs> sure, and then it's, sure. it's just oh, there's a lot of snow on the ground this morning. Cool. No, I'm glad that worked. I'm just I'm thinking about your car. Like I keep wanting a 928 but now riding in your car just does great it's just That's, yeah it's been pretty awesome i mean the all-wheel drive thing's cool but yeah you've got the winter tires on it just goes it's the great. uh the uh the, um well the, the check engine light did come on on the way here We're i not, think it just not is sure cold. what that is it might i think it's not cold. used to the altitude and the cold that's what i'm hoping so we've got a topic tuesday this is from david e he's writing to us recently asking about what to buy if enthusiast cars are becoming niche and everything's going to you know, the larger CUVs, larger SUVs. He's wondering what kind of sports cars should we be scooping up and driving and cherishing? 
And he says he's pretty much decided against an 86 and a BRZ in favor of a more practical car. Although you had an 86. Both you and Todd had 86s. And no, no. He, he said I he think, was deciding against I think, it. Uh, oh, yeah, he was. I just read that last yeah, time. Yeah, you're right, you're right. You found it pretty practical, actually. I did, I did. That's uh, the whole reason why I got the 86 or the BRZ over a Miata was because it had a back seat and a bigger trunk. And, yeah, pretty and decent I trunk, fit. actually, right? <laughs> yeah. I yeah, had, it's I had knee room in that car. Yeah, right. Well, he says, what if we're entering this dark time for enthusiast cars like we did in the mid-70s, like a Mustang too? Yeah. So what should the enthusiast shopping list be for the heyday of sports cars? Well, if the heyday of sports cars under $30,000 and that's gone. Todd and I have been alluding to this for a little while with the advent of CVs, and I keep hearing it. I actually just had a friend talk to me about a BMW X5, and he said he's really interested in the new X5, and I'm thinking... Okay. Yeah, they're nice. Can't go wrong. I mean, they're great. I have my personal nitpicks with them. But no cars were being considered. There's no cars to be considered on this list because stuff to carry around. You want a four-wheel drive. You want space for people and airport runs and, and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, that right there is looking for that. one of the reasons why Ford and Chevy have dropped a lot of their sedans and, and coupes, a lot of their small cars. Yeah, it's just... We've been thinking about this, David. Believe me, we've been mulling this over, and I figure it's a good time to answer this question. And this will be ongoing, as any Topic Tuesday is. It's ongoing. It's, yeah. It's, I'm leaving this open for future discussion, but I think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say something. I'm going to make some predictions here. And this is actually comes from my family. My family has a tradition every New Year's. We make predictions for the following year, and we kind of have some fun with it. Okay. I mean, we kind of do the easy stuff, whether it's, you know, celebrities or whatever, and then we'll make predictions, you know, we'll say, you know, where do, where do you personally want to be in one year? And you see yourself being, you know, either in a personal or emotional spot or whatever that is. And so we make family predictions and then we read them the next year. So we'll read the follow or the previous year's predictions and then make new ones as just kind of a tradition that we started so as a family. It's New Year's resolutions without being New Year's resolutions? Kind that what of. Hearing? Kind of. I'm going to be, you know, 20 pounds lighter and all this stuff. And so we've had a lot of great laughs because you get an insight into how you were thinking last year yeah, at this yeah. time. That's kind of fun. That's a fun idea. And then you think, really? That's what I was thinking? That was on my <laughs> mind? I was concerned about that? Really? Yeah. And so we, like I said, we have a lot of fun with it, but we could do it with cars. And I think it does come down to where we're going as an industry. I think it comes down to, well, just a lot of the sales figures that we're seeing. And after going to the LA Auto Show, car companies didn't have their cars out on the floor the first day. They had CUVs and SUVs out yep. there. And it was, I agree, it's a little disheartening, but David, I'm going to start right off and say, I'm going to give you some examples, but. I don't think that this is going to ever go away, ever. As an enthusiast, I mean, I'm saying that with a, a grain of hope, I suppose, but I don't know that this kind of enthusiast car market, it might shrink, it might continue to shrink, but I don't think it's ever going to completely go away because car manufacturers are going to discover, wow, we could actually put a cool new model in this segment and actually kind of be the leaders or a standalone and it's always the bring the people into the dealerships, even yeah. though I know people are buying CUVs and that's the business case. But I'm saying I don't think it's ever really going to go away. We might measure performance by electric cars and now, you know, electric numbers, I would, I would say, in terms of performance. But I don't think it's ever going to really, truly disappear. Well, you look at like, like horses, 
everyone used to ride horses, you know, 100, 150 years ago. That was, I mean, they still your, do. Is people do. That's my point. People are still riding horses. Right. They're using them differently. Very true. But they're still riding horses. People still have that aspiration to owning horses and having horse property and and oh, I went horseback riding today. Or right, you don't. I went and played cowboy or drive through or anything to get your lattes. But yeah, yeah, I take a point. <laughs> That'd be kind of interesting. But yeah, they're they're very much a um, pleasure pursuit, I guess. From yeah, yeah, totally. Anything and, surrounding and that's what sports cars are. Western. Even now, they're still a pleasurable pursuit. It's we're going to get that thrill-seeking experience, yeah, that's right? that's exactly why we exist, honestly. And that's exactly why we're all looking for that kind of feeling because, honestly, it's just so much fun, even in winter. And so, David, I come to this thinking, all right, it could be disheartening for us to sit here and say, well, yeah, all I see is just these mini CVs being purchased the cars are going away. I don't think so, though. Yeah, it's not all doom and gloom. I mean, this, I really don't there's think so. A, a trend in the market where it's all a lot of CUVs and SUVs and electric vehicles, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. I mean, look at what Jeeps are. Those kind of kicked off the SUV, the Jeep Cherokee and the Wagoneer. And, yeah, right. And and look what people use those for. They go rock crawling. They go to Moab and they climb over things. And I mean, that's you don't need that. They just go for the fun of it. Yes, yeah. the challenge, the pursuit. Okay, so I'm going to start off in saying, as the great cars age, all the cool stuff that we like now that is above thirty grand, and I'm speaking really to thirty grand and under. Talk about the Jaguar F-Type, Audi R8s and TTRSs, newer Caymans and 911s, Lotus Avoras, Mustang GT350s, Camaros, and Corvette Z06s. All of these cars are above thirty right now. Yeah, and a lot of them are dropping fast. Yeah, this is my point. In We'll say five years from now. Would you be willing to buy a GT350R with 80,000 miles on it for under 30? Yeah, probably. Probably, right? As long as they prove reliable, yeah, why not? I would think so. I would think most I mean, of the look, cars I'm, on that I'm list. I'm the guy that bought the 150,000-mile 911. Oh, you did. But, you know. <laughs> on the other hand, you were just telling me your 996 group has, like, there's guys in there with four hundred or 600,000 miles yeah. on their 996s. Yeah, I've seen it. Which few. makes your car sort of like just getting started. It's just warming up, yeah. Hopefully, so, hopefully. My point is, we've got always these exotic and luxury level cars being introduced that any one of those I would take as an enthusiast car. And they're all going to drop under 30 at some point. Yeah. So even though I think, David, you're asking for sort of our all-time greatest hits list, I think for the future of the exotics, I guess, and I... I don't consider for our budgets, like the McLarens and Ferraris and that kind of thing. That's Yeah, those will probably never be down that. I mean, unattainable, even, practically. Even the, like the Countaches and the 308s and those kinds of things, that they're low of low, we're still way out of reach for oh. most people. Yeah, so I'm, I'm saying that these cars are going to drop below 30. Well, so are Hellcats at some point. Uh, the, you know, yeah. anything with Hellcat engine, which is scary. <laughs> but that's coming. That day is coming. Yeah, <laughs> you, you think Mustangs hit crowds. Wait until you see the Hellcats. <laughs> That's a that's a shirt right there. You think Mustangs hit crowds? Wait till there's twenty five thousand dollar Hellcats everywhere, right? All right. So under thirty right now, though, I'm looking at these brands: Hyundai N, the N version yeah. of any Hyundai coming forth. And a lot of you are asking about 
various models coming out and thank you for that we're we're watching just as closely as you guys are we're very excited by this because Mazda Speed has gone away I think Hyundai is continuing to recognize these niches where car companies have done well and made a name for themselves yeah the Mazda Speed name is sort of hallowed ground it kind of you know wow a Mazda Speed anything that's yeah kind of a hot fun car yeah for a good price and, and I mean, the end cars are great. Uh, you got the 86 on there, the Golf GTIs. Those are all, all your hatchbacks assortment. But then you look at the, the, more, the rear-wheel drive cars. You've got Caymans. You've got Boxsters. Yeah. You've got Boss 302 Mustangs. That's insane, actually. You've got, I, I don't know what Z28s are right now, but those, those probably can't be that far off. Those plummeted, too. Which is crazy to me because they were dealer markup at eighty or $90,000. Yeah, yeah. Just think. I mean, oh. Even you know, 996s, <laughs> early 997s are tickling the underbelly of thirty grand now. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Okay, so the Honda hatches, the Honda S2000, you mentioned the 86, all the Miatas and MX-5s, Mini Coopers. How about the Z32 generation Nissan 300ZX, so early yeah, 90s. Yeah. BMW 2 Series, Z3, Z4s, and David, my personal favorite on this list is an Acura NSX. Ooh. When are those... I found one in the past. You probably heard me in... I, I can't remember which episode that was, but I found a $31,000 NSX. But there have got to be more NSX coming I, I this think, direction. I think they're actually on their way up. I Do think you? people have found them and they're kind of on the rise i was looking at them the other day and i saw multiples in the 50s well okay fair enough but you bought your car your 996 for what 15 yeah somewhere in there and you would never think wow i could have a 911 for 15 grand yeah true. so i i take your point the good ones are gonna still probably level out at 40s ish but i bet in the 30 to 40 range you could find nsx's talk about a dream car that will always be excellent I'm looking at these as aspirational $30,000 cars. But then back to my point about all these, you know, luxury brands, the F-Type. There's going to be an, a $30,000 F-Type coupe. Yeah, yeah. Or the V8 Vantage, Aston Martins. Those are, they, oh, might, they might come down that low. I don't know if they'll quite get to 30, but they're, they're in the 40s now. I think the badge alone keeps them high. Yeah. Just artificially, I would say, just like a Ferrari, you'd never really see... I don't know, some newer, more popular models come down into that territory. They wouldn't drop below, I don't know, 70, 80, something like that. Wouldn't but, think, anyway. You know, just because of the name alone. But, yeah, there's so many out there. And so I come back to an optimistic place, to be honest, especially with Hyundai coming out with their N version yeah. of everything. And all of us are paying attention. We're waiting for the N version of the Elantra GT. And people have asked about that. Or, you know, the, the new Supra coming up. That'll drop below 30 at some point. Absolutely. It was, uh, let's see, it was Greg F. on Facebook. Thank you for the question. Yeah, we're, we're looking at those. We're keeping track of everything that is coming our way because 2019 is coming. Season 5 is coming, even though we're <laughs> not quite back on, on TV and Amazon with uh, Season 4. But It's amazing how far ahead we have to think now, isn't it? Well, we do because... The cars that are coming, and we think of the matchups and the pairings, and as specs get released by car companies, then we've got to put these together because, you know, we're coming from a shopping perspective. Yeah. Not a, you've got $40,000 extra money. Well, it was fun being at the auto show this this year. Like, the last few years, we kind of got in everything just to get in everything, so we had stuff to talk about on the podcast and could relate to them, and, and oh, yeah. even if we hadn't driven them. But this time, we are like, okay... 
what would that car go well with for an episode? What would <laughs> those funny. cars go with? The, the whole kind time of walking we're, around we're shopping. shopping for TV show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we were looking at all these pairings. But it was fun, picking. too. It was really getting our creative juices flowing. And, mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm really all about the Mazda 3. I'm really yeah. excited about that car. I'm just excited about a lot of car manufacturers recognizing and starting to recognize the proliferation of little cars like that. And it's not a lot. It's not a lot. Believe me, there's tons of the SUVs everywhere. But I think there will still be the really focused cars that come out from manufacturers that have a background in doing this. BMW, Porsche, Mazda, Hyundai, at least those four that are used to it, I I would say. Corvette. Corvette, sure. I, I mean, I'd like that car to be smaller, personally, but it's well, yeah. But I just mean they're they're. I mean, they're not. The Z06 is heavy, but the base cars aren't that heavy. Yeah, I suppose. I guess just in overall proportions, they just seem like a gigantic car to yeah, me. Yeah, true. They Even got a big though well, they're really not, especially in comparison to 911s. Yeah, they got a they got Who a big footprint. I guess. Yeah, that's true. No, I'm just I'm coming back to an optimistic place where, like I said, the big cars that. We think our wow, fifty sixty now can't get into those, but they're coming down. What about the uh, the Alpha Four C? I was wondering about that too. I mean, I mean, I've driven them. You guys have driven them. They're great on the road. They're really great on the road. But but you drive yeah. them on a, a track. They're not really. But on a back road, they're not too bad. Yeah. Ask me about my experience. Yeah, we've we've all heard that <clears> rant <throat> on Spa <laughs> with a Four C. Not a fan. But yes, on the road, on the but yeah, as, you know, as a, just a general driving road, driver's sure. car, I think that it's a great option. Yeah, I, I definitely see that. And I, I mean, think I think you look at Alpha traditionally, they're they're going to drop too. They're, they've already dropped quite a bit. Yeah, I just I see it continuing in a smaller capacity. It yeah. may not be as large and fun as we're all used to, as we would prefer. But again, I think electric cars being democratized as far as price and then hopefully companies figuring out that they need to provide a fun option, whatever that is in any, I guess any car company, they need to provide something fun. And I think there's a business case to be made for it personally. Yeah. I speak for me. I realize that. Well, that, that's why the Z4 still exists. That's why the Miata still yeah. exists. Yep. That's why the 86 still exists for now anyways. I feel like Toyota's kind of coming back around. They've spent a lot of time fixing the problem of getting Camrys into the hands of anybody. Of everybody, actually. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I had one. And, well, and, you know, making all these cars that anybody could own. Uh-huh. But then the specialized cars, the super nameplate has been dormant for 20 years? More? Yeah. yeah, actually, that's kind of How crazy sad. is that? And they're bringing it back. So that gives me hope, honestly. Yeah. And they've got the racing history and experience to go do that. And I think, all right, I wonder if the Supra wakes something up. I wonder if it wakes something up in Nissan. I hope so. 370Z and GTR, need a, they need to be slapped. Yeah, uh, so uh, as a kind of off topic here, but the um, Pearly World Challenge recently changed its name. It's now the Blanc Pain World challenge gt something or the rather i could switch to watches but yes and but i recently got asked like you know some of these smaller classes with touring cars which is where the 350z or 370z's were racing yeah right they're a 10 year old chassis (laughs) are they competitive actually out there the well the local team that runs two of them he won the championship i I think but it's because it's a race car and he's just throwing parts at it and he's going against the m235 irs and stuff like that which are also really good but I keep yes. wondering, you know, it's a 10-year-old car. When are they going to update this thing? I am ready for that. I 
I feel like I mean, how they long? How long can they keep something. keep riding that wave in racing? And once that happens, then it's like, well, hello. Well, they brought out a special edition at SEMA, and it was just a little bit of Alcantara and some stripped out seats. Yeah, and just some quilted stuff, and borderline race car yawned, walked past it. But should Nissan bring something when a Toyota Super drops, they'd be the talk of everybody. I mean, yeah. can you imagine? Yeah, they, they need to bring keep something what, a, in reserve. Three eighty Z. I don't know. Three. They have what, the whatever. Datsun nameplate in reserve that they could bring something back, and they've teased us with show cars at least for the last few years. Well, that's because Datsun still exists in Asia. Well, it does, but I guess as an enthusiast brand, they could bring that back and bring something and yeah. Drop a, they did that, drop that, a two um, series competitor. What was it? The IDX, the five ten in Roman numeral. Where where's that car? What happened to that thing? I agree. I completely agree. It was agree. cool looking. All right, so Nissan, if you're listening, we have high hopes for you. We're ready. <laughs> we know you're going through some trouble right now with uh, the CEO yeah. and all that stuff. With Carlos Gone is gone. <laughs> yeah, they they have some issues right now. That's for sure. They do, but I'm I'm remaining optimistic at this point. It's not like there's no enthusiast cars for sale. Right? Yeah. I'm, well, I'm coming back had, to that. They had the GTR front and center in their booth this year again. <laughs> That's because that black. gets the looks. Everything else yeah, is, exactly. as you wander farther back into the booth. It's, things don't get better than the GTR. They start with the good stuff, and it doesn't get better the farther back you walk. <laughs> so, yes, we need a 370. We need something new. I want them to bring some cool Datsun back. Yeah. That would be cool. That would be hot. Yeah. A two series competitor, a little bit smaller. I could see it. All right. Well, guys, thank you for your Topic Tuesday questions. If you've got your own Topic Tuesday, please write to us, Everyday Driver TV, and you can write your car debates to us there as well. We are really appreciative of all the support you guys have given us as we are recovering from the loss of the gear. We keep all talking about the data we lost, which is gutting, but we are moving past, and uh, thank you for the support. It's been really hugely encouraging, and I just want to land on that again. And so car debates, Everyday Driver TV at gmail.com. You can write to us there. But for right now, we're going to take a short break and we'll be back. Have you checked out the big podcast with Shaq here at Podcast One? Yeah, we talk basketball, but we're a lot more than just sports. I met this fabulous lady. She had to be in her 70s. Knew everything about me, knew everything about sports. And the last thing she says, I love your podcast. And I wow. Like, Thank you very much. Oh, but I hate that John Kim. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's terrible. <laughs> Listen free to the big podcast with Shaq exclusively on Apple Podcasts, PodcastOne.com, and the Podcast One app. If you love the show, share it with a friend and leave us a rating and review. Pluto TV is the leading free streaming television service. Guess what? You can watch over a hundred TV channels and thousands of movies all on demand completely free. Pluto TV never asks for a credit card and you don't even need to sign up to watch for free. Pluto TV is the easy and completely legal way to watch your favorite TV shows and hit movies for free. What are you waiting for? Never pay for TV again by downloading Pluto TV. You can download Pluto TV for free on all your favorite devices today, including your phone, Roku, Amazon Fire TV, Apple TV, Smart TVs, PlayStation, and anywhere else you stream. Every car has its own fair share of stories, some more than others. You know, that ding in your bumper when you nervously picked up a first date, or the luxury package you got after a big promotion. Or the mileage you saved by riding your bike all summer long. Well, now with TrueCar, you can find out exactly what your car is worth when it's time to sell it or trade it in. You just go to TrueCar and you enter your license plate number and you watch how your car's details pop up. Then you've got to answer a few questions, like does it have navigation and moonroof? 
Watch as it bumps up your value as you change the options. Do you have high mileage? Well, you already knew it was going to cost you, but now you know how much it dings your wallet so you can plan ahead. When you're finished, you'll get a true cash offer sent to you in minutes, which you can then take to a local certified dealer to cash out or trade in. So when you're ready to experience a better way to sell or trade in your car, check out True Car today. True Cash Offer is not available in all areas. I can't believe it. That Gerald is presenting the quarterly budget report with finger puppets? Look, here comes a 1.7% decrease in fixed overhead. Hello, everybody. No, I can't believe how easy it was to save hundreds of dollars on my car insurance with GEICO. Who are you? The projected increase in organic Q3 revenue. Hooray! Believe it. GEICO could save you 15% or more on car insurance. We've got probably one of the longest questions, I guess, we've ever had to tackle from Kevin T. in Pennsylvania. Kevin, thank you for writing in. The question is long, but it can be condensed in in a little bit. Well, I, I think the question is very short. It's the it's the color of it. around it. Yeah, <laughs> right. So the question and the headline is: What car should I sell and what should I keep? But you need to know the backstory, obviously here, because Kevin and his father are car guys to the core. Kevin's twenty seven. His father's seventy two. They're longtime car guys, but he fell out of the hobby while he was at school on Long Island. He said where driving was more about traffic and errands and budgets than freedom and fun, but he has really rediscovered everything he loves about driving. And as it turns out, his father being a car guy his whole life, he's had more classic American muscle cars than he can list, including most of this rather long collection. I counted. It's 22 cars. I was just going to say, I just counted myself. 22 cars. 22 cars in the collection, and Kevin is writing to say, what should I keep? What should I sell? And, and he sent pictures, too. It's not like we, we worry sometimes with these emails where someone sends a big old shopping list, and it's like, is this real, or is this just someone kind of trying to brag? Uh, we know it's real. I mean, but we this, know this you one, guys are this one's, genuine, yeah. for sure, but it was pretty crazy to see some of these photos. So, Kevin, thank you for sending those. Very cool. Very cool. The list is eclectic, but you've got to know what Kevin drives and his background here. Because he's into quirky cars. I would say eclectic cars. And his dad's got this collection, and he's coming to it thinking, all right, either some of these cars need to be wrenched on and fixed up, or they need to be sold, or I need to start driving them. But he drives an 03 Mercedes-Benz C240 4Matic wagon, so the all-wheel drive wagon. This is his daily. He purchased it three or four months ago, 50,000 miles, runs great. This is the daily. So theoretically... He could just keep driving this. It's the do-it-all car. But he's got so many varied cars, which we're going to go through the entire list and kind of, I think, weigh in. Where did you take things when looking at this list? Did you decide what cars you wanted to keep, and did you make any recommendations for things that he should buy or add to the collection? Yeah, he he gave us kind of a a general idea of, you know, if we sell cars, he gave us general values of them. Mm-hmm. Of what he's guessing based on research he's done. He said, if you sell these cars, add up the values of those, and then we could potentially pick a couple other things to add to it that we think they're missing. Yeah, right. So I kind of went that route. And I'll, I'll be honest, uh, some of these cars are, they, they kind of left me scratching my head a little bit. <laughs> In what sense? Like some of them are like, that's an interesting. Like, why would you like, own what, that car? What do you have that for? Right. Not, where, not where that, that there's anything from? wrong with it. It's just a very, <laughs> that one's random in this why list. Why do you own this car? <laughs> Kevin is, uh, again, liking the quirky and different unique cars. 
And so it's either a suggestion on if we sell it, should we add things back in? And if so, does it fit the collection? But the collection is so varied, I'd say. It's fairly diverse, but it's also mostly American. Yeah, okay. I can see that. I can see that. You're right. There's there, there's some there's some German flavors in there as well. There's a bit but of it's, German. It's, there's it's, like it's, three or two or three Audis in here too that I'm yeah. confused about. But all right, so we've got to jump into the list so you can at least hear what we're dealing with. 22 cars. And, oh, and he, he and gave us keep them? he gave us pros and cons to each one of these, like why he <laughs> thinks this crazy. would would be one to keep and why he's not so interested in it at the same time. I also actually came up with my own quirky list of cars. I'll say the quirkiest cars I could think of, and it actually kind of got pretty long, <laughs> which I'm surprised about. But we'll start off with the list here, and starting out with uh, let's see a BMW. A 2000 E46 323, 68,000 miles manual in silver. Pretty cool coupe. Yeah. I like this car. Just the photo alone was made me think, don't get rid of this car. Keep it. That, that's kind of where I was. It's, it seems like he says he really likes driving it. It's not the. It's not an M3, but it's, no. it's, still, it's still a BMW. It's a manual transmission. Kevin, you said the value was $4,000, and I went searching, and I couldn't find very many of the 323s, but... Four grand? That's all it's worth? That's probably not far off. I would say it's almost worth keeping that because it's so low and it's such low mileage. At that mileage, I don't know that it's going to ding you a whole lot on maintenance. I'd say just drive it. Enjoy it. It's yeah. a great car. The chassis is excellent. Yeah, that seems like it would be a great a great daily car, really. So you're thinking he should keep this one I, as well? I, I think keep that one. All right. So then we're on to an Audi A4 Quattro Cabriolet 2006. Needs nothing. It's an automatic blue, 60,000 miles, $7,000 value. Uh, I'm actually going with a sell rating on yep. this. I mean, he says, he says straight up that he thinks it's boring, it's outdated, and it, it, the, the interior just is, is not all that nice anymore. And it's starting to have the electrical <laughs> just, issues that Audis are so synonymous with. Yeah, although so, it's crazy because that was like Audis, we're back with interiors. Everybody's looking at their interiors right about the mid 2000s as the pinnacle of you know interior design how cool is this and here it is like eh, the interior is kind of dated now yeah i mean it's it's, it's a 15 no it's yeah it's a 15 year old car now that's crazy to think about 12 well not quite not, not quite it's close wow so yeah, i i say get rid of that one myself so that that adds us a uh, seven grand ish right are you keeping track? Are you adding things up? I, I had my number at the bottom. Of my oh, you did. To do, yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, the next one, <clears throat> the next one is a 2008 Chevy Avalanche LTZ. This one was one of the head scratchers for me. I like that you said it's the Chrome Brodozer spec. I'm yeah. Like, is that a box you could check at the dealership? It's got the uh, the bed tonneau cover. Uh, he says it's not particularly his style, but he thinks it would be cool to bomb around on with with uh, in a big chrome chrome truck for a while, and it's a, actually. It's, pretty luxurious i'm actually going with sell on this one same an avalanche i know people like them i just there's other better trucks we'll say yeah i'm 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 not liking it enough despite the as nice it as is i'm just thinking you could probably use the money to put towards something else that you'd really drive and enjoy i think this yeah, would sit. and i mean how often are you, you said late Late, lower on your list that you, you might need to borrow a truck every now and again, but how often are you really borrowing a truck? And there's uh, other trucks on the list. Yeah. All right. So you're selling that one too. That takes us to 
a C5 Corvette, 2002 Corvette with 5,000 miles. Yeah. Manual transmission. It's a convertible, but it's red, worth about 20K, but it's got 5,000 miles on it. This is a brand new car. Pretty much. I'm not seeing a reason to sell it. I, I say keep it and enjoy that thing. Yeah. I'm, I mean, it's not the Z06 flavor, but who cares? No, who cares? It's a convertible it's still, and it's manual. What are those? 350 horsepower? Something like that? Something like that. Somewhere in there. But it's manual. We keep talking about save the manuals, right? Yeah. Keep this car, Kevin. This is kind of cool. I'm, I'm all about this. And, you know, you said you're not captivated by the C5 styling, but I think it's going to be worth it to keep it. I've always liked the C5 styling. I thought it was pretty clean. It's... They're kind of bubbly now, but I, I've always thought they were pretty decent looking cars. Yeah. And, you know, it looks, it's a big GT car, especially in convertible form. And the top's down. It looks huge and long <laughs> to my eye. But that's all right. I'm 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 all about this car. There's actually more Corvettes that we're getting to, but that does bring us to a TR7 Try from 1977. Yeah. <clears throat> that's another one of those oddball cars. <laughs> uh, interestingly, though, we showed up to a local Cars and Coffee here in the summertime. And there was a TR7 that showed up, uh-huh. a student driver driving it. Dad let his daughter drive it to Cars and Coffee. Which it's is actually stick. It had student cool. driver stickers all over it. It was really cool. Yeah. This only has 38,000 miles. It's a manual in orange. And it's a coupe, which is actually kind of rare. I think it's kind of rare. I thought most of them were actually convertibles. But uh, I think they're. I've always thought they were kind of the the target top thing, like a nine fourteen, like a oh maybe so a British nine fourteen so. kind of thing. But ah, uh, I think it's going to cost you. And Kevin is telling us that he wants to actually wrench on some things. He wants to spend some time fixing things up. And I think we should yeah. kind of offer some guidance where he should put some time and money into if there's some things to be fixed up here. But. I'm just I'm saying there's got to be a TR7 owners forum that will love this car and somebody would love to have it but I don't think this is the car to pour your blood sweat and tears into. No, I'm kind of with you though or I'm kind of in the middle here. I I think sell it, but I also think maybe you should play around with it for a little bit and make up make you up think? your mind about it because he says he likes quirky cars. He does. And these are quirky little things. I do have a really quirky list at the end. I've got to read you. All right. So we're on to a 94 Ford SVT Cobra. And I'm actually wondering where you're going to land on this well, car. At first, I was kind of like, eh, it's it's an early Cobra, but it's got 4,600 miles on it. And he doesn't mention it on the list, but in the pictures, it is an Indy, car, or an Indy 500 pace car. Yeah, from 94. And I, I think that's one to keep myself. <laughs> Do you think those special editions were special enough? Or are uh, they just graphics on the door? And I think this one, I mean, it's worth more than what a normal Cobra would be. It's not worth a lot of money right now, but I think that might be one that you can hang on to for 10, 20 more years. And I suppose, it might be worth something. I just found it odd because it's usually a Corvette that does the pace car thing for Indy 500. And here's yeah. this Mustang convertible. And I'm Mustang thinking, did them a few, t- a few times. Really? Yeah, they did a few of them. I guess so. It's yeah, it's the high performance uh Cobra, but I don't know. I was I was leaning towards sell on this one because you could probably get some bucks for it. Only 4600 miles and it's a manual. Yeah. Somebody's going to love this car, yeah. which leaves you room. I mean, if you're keeping the Corvette convertible, I'd say sell this one. But I I think it, I think it's it's the lowest of low. I don't know if it's going to drop any more than it already has. Think so? You think that's, that's kind of what I think, just because of what it is. Ride the bottom of the trough of for a while and then 
maybe they'll go up. Yeah, so I mean, you look at the the Terminator Cobras, the the 2003-2004 Cobras. Oh yeah, right. Those are 30 grand still. Are they really? Those are holding on to their values. That's crazy. I mean, this isn't a Terminator, but it's it's no. still a it's a Cobra, it's a pace car. It's going to be something someday. Yeah, it it maybe probably so. won't be like a you know, the the Shelby GT500s of the 60s kind of values, but it, it who knows? Yeah, maybe so. Maybe I'm being too optimistic. <laughs> <laughs> well, being the Mustang guy of anybody, I you know, I just wanted to see what you think, but that's interesting. All right, so now we're on to other things, which is kind of weird. A 1982 MGB white Roadster, 14,000 miles. Value, Kevin estimates, at $7,000. I'm personally going to say sell this car. I'm not seeing a reason to keep a small British Roadster that... Ah, they're small, I'm, but I'm of two minds here. It's, this is the original Miata. Uh, it's, it's that's kind of what the Miata is based upon. I is suppose, one of these. but you know, but I, every and... every time I see someone driving, it's always the same guy driving. It's this <laughs> gray-haired guy in a tweed jacket and a little There's hat tweed. on. There's tweed going gloves. on everywhere. Yes. So I mean, if you own an MGB, you've got to have tweed in your closet. You have to of some form, a cap, yeah. so, a jacket I mean, with the leather elbow patches. It, it's it's a costume car. <laughs> Yikes! <laughs> That's the reason I think you should sell it. But you know, if you're into that kind of thing, great. I think you should get rid of it. Get something different. Yeah. All right. So next, he has a, a '92 GMC Sonoma with a five-speed manual, and it's only got forty-four hundred, forty-four thousand miles on it. This is it's also probably pretty new. Mounted toolboxes. It's not worth a whole heck of a lot, but he says he's always had a weird desire for one of these. So just just because I don't get it myself, but you've always wanted one, so here's here's your shot right here. <laughs> here it is. I mean, you have one. <laughs> I guess I was not going to hang on to this one. I I'd, I'd eject this car too. Yeah. Yeah. I just think the money, even though it's a little bit, it could go to something you drive, because. Of any collection, you want to get it to where you're driving everything, right? But here's the thing: it's not worth hardly anything. So, it, it, no, I mean, but it might you're pay for gas for storage for a year. and insurance on it, and it's taking up space. Yeah, true. I don't know. I, I all right. I could go both ways on that. We've got a 1986 Nissan 300ZX, thirty-five thousand miles, manual in black. Please keep this car. I'm, I'm, I disagree. It's a Z31. It's not the, the nicer version. No, it's not, but it's but got the long nose and all the crazy, like, the, the 80s electronics in it. The 80s yeah, tech. Yeah, I guess there, there is a lot of quirkiness there. It's like there it's like that. a robot kind of look to it on I mean, the inside. But he says he's not really that into it, and he, it doesn't do anything for him. So because of that reason, I think just get rid of it. It's not something worth hanging on to. He said he hasn't really driven it, so please drive no. it and get back to me. Yeah, drive it first before you get rid of it, but... I, I, I'm i just not feeling that one either. I think they're cool. I, I've always thought they're goofy looking, but, they, you know, that's that's just me. <laughs> All uh, right. What else? Uh, the next one is a 91 500 SL Roadster, 38,000 miles, automatic, worth about thirteen grand. white over red interior. Says his wife can drive it. It'd be a great daily driver for her. I suppose. I suppose keep it. I mean, it's a bulletproof Mercedes, right? 38,000 miles. Just... Drive it, yeah. Hard but when something does go wrong in that car, it could it, you pull out your checkbook. True, I yeah, I guess so. I'm, I'm kind of I'm in a gray area on this one. I think I I could see either way. I, 
the car that I'm not on the gray area is the next one, which is a 1989 Chrysler TC by Maserati. Remember this car? Uh huh. I saw one by the side uh-huh. of the road, and I nearly spit out my drink. I was, <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, I remember those cars. I remember hating them then too. And, it, and this one is also purple, with a saddle interior. Purple. Let, let me read purple. that again. Purple over saddle. Not good. No. <laughs> Just no. There's another he, purple car he even in here says, too, by the way. In his own description, he says this thing is truly terabad. <laughs> I think we know what's happening with that. I was going to, you know, do the kill, crush, or launch in outer space thing with this car. But, yeah, I think it's time for that to go. Yeah. The two that I think you should keep are the next two. A 71 Lincoln Continental Mark III. Really? Ah, yeah. Huge boat. Oh, that is sweet, a gigantic sweet. boat. And most definitely what a 58 Cadillac fleet, Fleetwood. Now, the Fleetwood's cool. I'm oh. all for keeping the Fleetwood. Yeah. Those are pretty cars. But the 71 Continental, that's just huge. It's just... Ah, oh, it's so alt. It's, Why? It matches his quirky thing. I, I think so. Well, yeah. If you say so. It's it's comfy. <laughs> All right, we've got two more Corvettes here, a C4 and a C3. So 1984 C4 Corvette, that was actually the first year of the yep. C4 generation. There were no 1983s. Miles. Oh, keep this car. Oh. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Uh, the, the C4 honestly was a huge surprise for me. Yeah, and it's got that digital dash thing going on yeah. and, and the new style. With, yep. Yeah. I like the later ones better than the newer ones. I do too. But you got the LT1 in them instead, but you know, they're still... It's yeah. it's an impressive car. 24,000 miles? Oh, drive this and car. The next one is the opposite direction. It's a 79 C3 Corvette, which is kind of the bottom of the bottom for Corvettes. Well, kind of, yeah. But 15,000 miles? But the body the, style is sweet the, looking. The pictures looked great. It was yellow. Yeah. Yeah, he does say that that was always his favorite style of Corvette. But mm-hmm. I'm I say sell it. Oh, you do? I say sell this one. Really? I was thinking hang on to this thing because then you'd have a c3 c4 and c5 you could actually curate the well, collection to go back towards corvettes well i'll, I'll give you a little hint I'm, I'm replacing it with a different c3 okay all right all right I'd, I'd i'd use some of the money and get a 68 or a 69 c3 fair enough fair enough i could i could see that yeah a lot more power so in you've those got cars. power you've got some slightly better lines i think with the chrome bumpers and the, mm-hmm. the lights and I think, okay. I think they're I, nicer cars. I could see that if it got replaced. Sure. There's a truck on here, 96 Ford F250, 48,000 miles. It, it sounds like, Kevin, you, it needs some work. But on the other hand, it's only got 48,000 miles on a 22-year-old truck. That could be useful. Yeah. It's paid for. It's worth nearly nothing. I, yeah. And he, he doesn't say if it's a diesel or if not. But if it's a diesel and that thing will tow like you wouldn't believe. Yeah. It will anyway. It's huge. Yeah. But then the car that I love that's on your list here is the next one. It's a 73 De Tomaso Pantera. I want one so bad. This is the car that I think chances in agreement that you should put your time and energy into this car. Yes. Not the MGB, not the Triumph TR7. Forget those. Uh, one, of, one of his worries he talks about is, is, yes, it's an Italian car. However, it's an Italian car with Ford parts. Exactly. You can get those parts at O'Reilly or AutoZone. <laughs> yes. Yeah, this is why you need to work on this car. Drive it, please, when you get it to a drivable shape. It doesn't have to be perfect. But you had a concern that 
if you do a great job and it's going to be you know pretty awesome when you're done that you wouldn't drive it you have permission you have our permission to go drive it and enjoy it yes because please, please do oh my gosh any of us see a pantera actually moving and not on a concourse show floor we're freaked out about how good this thing looks moving oh yeah it's part of the experience of that pantera it's it's part of what it needs to do to make it look even better it's got to move we we followed one on the way to pebble beach when we landed <laughs> yes we it, did it, it, that was just so cool we kept just commenting. We were astounded. We could see the driver down through the uh-huh. the window and uh, the visceral experience of this car. And here's the thing: yeah. Panteras, while they're they're cool and they're fairly valuable, they're never going to be like super, super, extremely valuable, like a Ferrari or something like that. Which is the reason to drive. Which it. is why you can drive them. Yep. Yep. I'm with you. Yep. All right. There's a 1952 Dodge Street Rod truck, and then a little bit lower on your list, a 34 Dodge Brothers Street Rod, red over red velvet, crate engine, velvet limousine interior. I think both of these would be your opportunity to be introduced to the world of auctions. You think so? I do. I'm not really about these two. Uh, the first one, the 52 Dodge Street Rod truck, has a crate engine and apparently a gorgeous paint job, candy apple red over beige. Not bad. And you did say that you helped a lot with the restoration, so there's a sentimental value here, but that happens with a lot of cars on the auction block. And you see hot rods go across the block, and there's guys who pour their heart into these cars. Yeah. I think it's part of the experience, to be honest, and you've got two candidates here that would sell at auction, I think. Yeah, they would. I think think it's really cool, though. I'm I'm the old car guy, but I I think this is really cool. And there's... But you'd drive it even in like the coldest day. You'd well, I did that with my Mustang. I know you would. <laughs> you would drive these cars. But I, I had a, I had a neighbor that used to have. Well, he still has it. Uh, he's got like a '56 or something Chevy pickup truck. It's got a 350 in it, and it was it was cool. cool. He'd cruise around in it, and then uh, I'm actually working on this project where a client of mine is building this this. 1955 F100, and he's putting a six-liter uh, power stroke into the thing. Holy cow! It was uh, originally out of his his drag truck, <laughs> and it was making something like 1,800 pound-feet of torque. And they're putting it in this 55 pickup, <laughs> which is it's really cool. That is cool. Is that like when your brakes fail so, and you're trying so to stop I at the red light? You maybe pull it's the because chute? I'm I'm working on this project right now that I'm kind of like drawn to. That's why classic trucks. That's but, why. All right, so you're thinking keep both of those. Uh, the truck anyway. The street rod. I I, I had to actually Google that one, and it, it was a pretty cool looking car. It's cool looking it's car. Pretty cool looking car. I uh, just I think the auction you'd get. You could go sell these and then go shopping while you're at auction for some more quirkiness. I think this could be your introduction to the cool, fun world of auctions. I mean, granted, if you have money and time and yeah, but still, I think this could be interesting. Two more cars on the list. That was 20 cars, if you can believe it. 72 Pontiac Le Mans, 500 horsepower crate motor, red over brown. Yes, please. Keep that car. Yes, please. I think that's a cool car. And then... Well, there's actually uh, there's two more, there's two more two on the more. list. <laughs> uh, one of them's a 2004 Audi A6 Quattro 2.7 Turbo, 125,000 miles, constantly in the shop and keep leaving him stranded. Why do you still have it? I'm not sure. I say sell that one too, or maybe you could give it away. Yeah, you know, 
take the you know write off on your taxes next year. Cash for clunkers. Anything. Well, something. You're right. There is a last one on here, which I had to laugh. Yeah, I laughed at it pretty good, too. It's a, uh, a 2005 Volkswagen Phaeton. Oh, the V8. All-wheel drive, four motion, purple over black, 12,000 miles. This car is perfect and new, except it doesn't run. Yeah. And apparently, the, the thing. many shops have not been able to get it running. It's perfectly aesthetically pleasing everything is great it's just the mechanical electrical parts on this car Twelve thousand miles and it doesn't run it's because it's sad pretty much you know, you know that whole thing todd likes saying ask about cheap phaetons <laughs> i think he's got some stories for you i think he does i'd say kevin give this the, the giveaway challenge if you can get this car running it is yours baby yeah you get to drive it away it's a practically brand new car the leather's awesome i'm sure everything is beautiful about this car Sounds rare, purple over black. I'm not sure who would have ordered that color combination, but okay. I think you should, yeah, get rid of this car. It's yeah. going to be the money pit of all money pits. Uh-huh. And you've got your Pantera project. Remember, you've got to focus on that. And we've sold a fair amount of cars where you could get something. I'm thinking like, uh, you know, a fun convertible, maybe add a Boxster in there. Yeah. I was thinking for the sake of quirkiness, maybe something Jaguar. There's no... Well, real British in here. So something Jaguar, like a Series 1 XJ6 from late 60s through the 70s. I I like those. Or an original 60s Mini Cooper. That could be fun. Yeah. Kind of a fun, quirky car. K cars are also got to be on your list, like a Suzuki Cappuccino. That is totally different. Very interesting. They run, by the way. Yeah, and they're pretty cheap. And they're pretty cheap. And what about a Mazda RX-7? Have an RX-7. Any generation. Any gen, yeah. I say that's go good, get one of those. That's a good choice right there, actually. Rotary engine. I like that. I think it fits with your quirky proclivities and flavor, and I think it would be great. I think you'd really enjoy driving it. Even the first gen, I think it'd be great. Yeah. RX-7. Uh, so I had uh, I replaced the C3 with a 69, as I mentioned already. But I also thought if you wanted to, you could replace that 84 and get yourself a C4 ZR1. Yeah. Yeah, we can't say anything more about yeah. those cars. <clears throat> yeah, so uh, well, I'll, I'll just leave that there. But uh, I also had, since I, I had my argument about the 300ZX, why not get a 240Z? Okay, okay. Sell it and get a 240Z. But he's got that 300. I always dug those cars. They're just kind of different. They're They've got just, the T-tops. They're, they're weird. They're cool. Ugly. Ugh. All right, so I'm going to land on my quirky list here. This is something I was thinking about. I'm not saying buy these cars, but it just struck me as... The most quirky you can get, I'm I'm challenging. I'm throwing down here. It's a list. It's a bit of a list, so I'll go fast. 78 Saab 99 Turbo. Yeah. 1968 okay. Opel GT with the Those headlights pretty that cool. Those flip pretty over. Cool. Yeah. 1974 Janetta G21. Hmm. Very interesting. Yeah. 71 Lotus Europa. Yeah, those are pretty wacky. Apparently, you can win the lowrider like yeah, contest so, with the Europa. Yeah, maybe I've shared the story before, but we went to one of those Scrape Fest shows. <laughs> we we went because why? I, why were you in a Scrape Fest show, by the way? Yeah, you exactly. Reveal that <laughs> it's not my scene. That's for sure. I don't vape enough. <laughs> but uh, we we had this this guy locally who did uh, ceramic paint protection or ceramic coatings mm-hmm. on your paint. He said he wanted a, a bright, flashy car for his vendor booth and said, hey, you've got a bright orange Boxster. I'll 
ceramic coat it for you if you let me put it in my booth. So we said yes. You say yes to that kind of thing. Yeah. And then you find yourself at a scrape and fest. And then we were at scrape fest. Mm-hmm. Well, we had all these guys, you know, they have the cars with the crazy rear camber and the airbags and all the things. And they're just, you know, scraping on the tiny little pebbles and the, and the scrape pavement. heads. Scrape. All right. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, at the end of the show, the highlight, I guess, is they do a car limbo. Mm-hmm. And you've got them going underneath the bar and they lower it every so often. And, and as the show goes on, you have more and more people on top of these cars to compress the suspension more to get it under the bar. <laughs> but okay. there was a stock Lotus Europa that was at this show. It won. <laughs> <laughs> they are tiny. They are tiny. All right. Last three cars. They're like on my a list. Lotus Elite. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. Remember that Brazilian Puma, a 1980 Puma GTE, a 72 Porsche 914, and a Volkswagen Thing. There you go. That's yeah, my list that's of quirks. good. I didn't, I didn't have so much quirky cars. I've already listed a few. But I ended up with, excluding my gray area cars, I ended up with roughly 85 grand you can play with. That's pretty good, actually. And uh, so I, I kind of went with a more modern, fun car. I had a couple different different ones and i kind of kept with the american trend here so you you could get a gt350r for this money yes you could. you could and if you wanted something that could haul a family around then have you heard of the charger hellcat <laughs> yes I mean, I mean why why not why not I mean, it fits some of these nutty muscle cars you've got here and the it old does. hot rods and it it's, it's modern it'll have all your your modern day amenities and features and i can see that there you go all right <laughs> slice up your 85 grand that's a pretty good chunk after selling some of these cars but yeah i was is, kind of surprised how much it added <laughs> it's up it's amazing it does add up <laughs> All right. Well, Kevin, you've got some uh, some homework to do there. Let us know what cars go when you get a chance. And thanks for writing in. Like I said before, if you've got your own debate, everydaydrivertv at gmail.com. We've got a ton of questions. Thank you guys for writing in questions. We are jumping right to those. And I thought since we've got a chance here with a 996 on Instagram, Alvaro F. Matos. That's the first one I've got open to. Oh, good. <laughs> He's asking, should I spend the money replacing the IMS bearing on his 996 if it's gone 157,000 miles without issues? I'm going to say no. And here's really? why. Unless the car, I, I would think if it was going to have issues, it was going to happen already. All the cars that have these issues are low miles mm-hmm. and they're not really driven. Uh, that said, they do still wear out. So what our, our mechanics said to do is every time you do an oil change, just keep your eye on the oil. And as long as there's no metal flakes in it, you're fine. You don't have anything to worry about. I mean, what about when you do a clutch replacement? But you're if, already in there, right? If you wanted to, yeah. If, if you've got the means to do it when you're doing the clutch, by all means, do it. If it gives you peace of mind, you'll be done. It'll actually add some value back to your car because there's a lot of people that think you have to have that done. I suppose. And that, that's my piece of advice. Well, there's also a question that relates to a car you've owned from Brad A. on Facebook, who asks if there's any reason from a reliability standpoint to stay away from the early model years of the GT86 platform. I mean, besides from that, um, what was it, that whistling uh, fuel injector? The crickets. The crickets. But that's not a reliability thing. That's just no, an that annoying was, that sound That was just thing. a sound. It still worked fine, right? Yeah, and Toyota actually, uh, I don't know how many times they redesigned it, but they redesigned that stupid thing like four times, and it still made the sound. Even the brand new ones make really? that sound. It's something to do with the way it's insulated, I guess. It works just fine. It's just Even the obnoxious... early ones worked fine, right? Yeah, it's just an obnoxious noise. They, You can get it replaced. 
and it'll go away for a couple thousand miles, but it'll come right back. That's just what they do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and my car was one of the early, early cars. Mine was number 1083 off the line. It was built in June 2012. So you were an it early. It was an early car. But you didn't and have it, any problems, right? The only problem it ever had was uh, the it had dual climate control, and the baffle underneath the dash got stuck, so I had to have it replaced. That was the only issue I ever had with that car. That has nothing to do with powertrain or anything. Nope. nope. Hmm. And I did replace a clutch, but that's a consumable, technically. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. All right. There's a question over here on Facebook from Adam R. Asking our thoughts on a $5,000 E36 or E46 convertible, not an M3, for next summer weekend family drives with two small kids. Is this worth it or is it full of headaches? For five grand, i say buy it. I think that'd yeah. be a boatload of fun. I think your kids would remember it for a long time. Honestly, we've heard even the M3 E36 is a pretty not only inexpensive car to buy, but inexpensive to work on. I mean, you're going to be doing a few things yourself, but I say go for it. And this is not a high-strung M3, so why not? You could probably shop pretty smart and get one that's pretty decent. Yeah, the E36 is the – even the M3s are stupid cheap. And from what I hear, they're easy to work on yourself. Uh, One of my neighbors, though, he had – I think it was like a 2003 – uh, E46 330 convertible. Mm-hmm, it was mm-hmm. silver. It was a manual, and he loved it. They they went everywhere in that thing. Top up, top down, winter driving. That mm-hmm. was one of their their year round cars. Cool. All right. Well, what other questions did you find on here? Uh, Tyler Champion on Instagram asked, "What do you do when you get into a car that you can't heel toe? His A4 gas pedal is so low he can't even learn." Hmm. Hmm. That's a good question. I've got really long feet, so I don't know if I've ever really experienced that <laughs> issue. <laughs> but uh, I will say heel towing is so much easier when you're driving the car in anger than it is if you're just rolling up to stop signs. Mm-hmm. So much easier. Tyler, this is going to sound strange, but change your driving position. It doesn't solve everything, but whenever I've gotten into a car with an instructor and it's a manual transmission and we're coming into either a uh, a driving day or it's you know a press day whatever that is the instructors have always changed my own driving position to be a little bit closer than i'm normally at i'm a little bit more uncomfortable much like race car drivers sit they're a little too close and they're just over the oh, wheel yeah. i sat in that gt2 rs club sport at the auto show I don't know if I was supposed to, but I did it anyway. Yes, I know you did. And yeah, you're I, with the seat all the way back. I had plenty of leg room, but that steering wheel is right in your chest. Yes, it is. Now, you might think that it's your feet or where your feet go, but actually it changes your position on the pedals just slightly. Try that out. It may not, but I'm just saying play with your driving position a little bit. We've heard various things, and you guys have written in, you know, where you just drape a wrist over the steering wheel, and that's about where you want to be. We've heard that from a lot of instructors as well. But get a little bit closer than you normally would, as if you're on a track day, because when are you really going to be doing a lot of heel and towing? At a track, theoretically. I'm saying change your driving position, look into that, but sometimes the architecture of the pedals just isn't set up for it. It just isn't. Also, how are you trying to heel and tow? I've I've heard a lot of people trying to do it the the opposite way that most people do where they actually put their heel on the brake pedal and try and flip mm. with their toes oh yeah uh 
the way I do it, and you, I mean, you can do it that way. There are people that, that do it most that people way. people do, sure. But most people use the ball of your foot on the brake, and you rotate your foot over and use your heel of your toe to blip the throttle. Your, your pinky toe, you're saying? No, your heel over to the gas oh, the, pedal. the Sorry. heel on the toe. Yeah. Uh, on the gas pedal instead. Yeah, so yes, your toes are on your brake pedal, and your heel is the gas pedal. Yes, right. That's how I've learned to do it, actually. Yeah. And that actually might help. So if your foot is a little bit higher and by virtue of your change seating position, so you're, it's putting that ball of your foot right on the gr- a brake pedal, and actually you're not using your full heel. You're kind of using the side of your shoe, actually. Yeah. It's really not fully your heel where you're, you know – you know, duck toed, you know, doing <laughs> yeah. the duck walk kind of thing, but it's actually kind of the side of your foot and that actually your driving position might change that. In some cars you're you don't have enough room to even do it that way. Yeah, true. Exactly. Uh let's see, there was a a a link from Wyatt M about the um Porsche Cayman, the The rally car. The rally car saying they just need a hundred customers. I would love to be a customer <laughs> they'll build it if they can just justify a hundred customers well here's the thing this isn't the first time they've built cayman rally cars and i know it's been mentioned before about asking about elise rally cars too there was actually a mm-hmm. series in europe that raced lotus exige rally cars and porsche rally cars on it's uh i think it's rally cross where it's half dirt half uh pavement and you're actually lapping, racing with other cars on the track with you at the same time, doing laps instead of a point-to-point kind of thing. They're really cool. Yeah, they are. There's a comment here from Ronald H. on Facebook as well saying on our last podcast, we talked a lot about the size of cars at the LA Auto Show, the Gladiator, the G70, the 8 Series. The 8 Series is huge, by the way. The Tour X, the 911, is the way that we look at the size of cars and trucks skewed based on the size of cars and, and well, just the cars that we like driving. Sure, it is, because we're coming in with a certain perception instantly, right off the bat. Well, the larger the car, generally speaking, the weight goes up, things change when you lengthen the wheelbase. And is it a GT car? Is it a high-speed you know, GT car? Is it a shorter wheelbase? Kind of fun. It's going to be more nimble, that kind yeah. of thing. So we're already looking at the architecture just by observing the car and definitely looking at the weight. But that's when cars can surprise us, when we finally do drive a car. Maybe it's the G70 or... You know, whatever that is, and we drive something like the Honda Civic Type R, and we're thoroughly surprised by a car and think, wow, this is different than the perception and the size and the packaging would suggest. That's when I'm surprised. But yes, we're always looking for that, not as a benchmark, and I'm going to tease Todd a little bit, since he's not here, because (laughs) nothing's in a lease. Only in a lease is in a lease. Yeah. Nothing else handles like that car, but... Many cars do so many things the Elise cannot. So it's, it's it's such a balance. It's such a trade-off. So we're looking at where architects or architects of cars, I will say, the designers are going with the wheelbase, with the packaging, and what does that car suggest just by the proportions alone? But then when we're surprised, it's you know that's kind of a cool thing. I've been surprised a lot, which is yeah. which is fun. Yeah. Uh, Matthew Brown asks us uh, when FCA makes a Hellcat Gladiator. What will it you. be called? Will it be called the Aurelius, the Spartacus, or the Legion? I think it'll be called the uh, the Zeus. Zeus is good. I like that. Yeah. yeah, they they have to do that. Somebody has to do that just as a one-off. I'm sure you or wouldn't take a Hellcat Gladiator on trails at Moab, would you? I mean, the gearing alone to gear uh, that it's, thing it's down. It's a little bit long is the problem. It's a little too the long. The wheelbase is, although you know people are going to have it out there. They'll oh, have it yeah. out there for the Easter Jeep Safari in oh, 2019. Oh, totally, totally. 
you know that's coming. All right. Uh, Devin Bain is asking, if I had a second Mustang to restore, what would that be and what would it look like? Hmm. I think it would be a uh, similar to what I've got, only I would try and stuff the uh, the 5.2 Voodoo engine from a GT350 into it uh, and see what I can do about getting suspension narrowed down and kind of do a total pro-touring build and just go wild with it. No one's done that motor in anything yet because Ford won't sell it as a crate motor. You can yeah, buy the block, right. but you can't buy the crankshaft gotta find Go a on wrecked Ford. car right Come on Ford. you can buy the lt6 you can buy the <laughs> lt9 you can buy the hellcat motor why can't we buy a voodoo <laughs> maybe they're listening maybe somebody's listening I, one can hope <laughs> one can hope on instagram all wheel and driven asked our thoughts on the coming camry and avalon trd flavor well apparently toyota has announced they're going to trd eyes every car they make everything in their lineup they're they're going to sell cars based on that, and I think it's a good marketing decision because even the hint of sportiness is something connected to Visa and Mastercard. <laughs> People will buy it. I, I think they're doing they're they're pulling a, a card out of BMW's. Uh, I think book. they kind of are. They're putting M badges on everything. They're putting TRD badges on everything. And uh, this is going to be a car that I would love to surprise me. I just feel like the Camry. I just feel like it won't. Well, based on how it matter. currently drives, it's going to take a lot to really yeah. be something amazing. <laughs> it's actually the NASCAR version. <laughs> yes, it drives pretty amazing. No, I, I, I think they're going to sell cars based upon that. But as far as a dynamic car, it's going to take a lot more than just a little, you know, some badging, maybe some suspension upgrades, well, a quicker steering ratio, a quicker throttle response. It's going to take more than those things to make me love those cars. I mean, are they going to do what they're doing with the the uh, the eighty six, the TRD eighty six, where it's got Brembo brakes and Pilot Sport tires and PS fours or whatever, but no uh, more power? Possibly, but that begs the question: When you have those things on those cars, the Avalon and the Camry, do people go hunting for performance with those cars? Do they go hunting for the Track Day or the Canyon Road? No. no, they do not. No. So, therefore, it's irrelevant if they have Brembos on the car. I was shocked the 86 had Brembos. These are huge brakes and no more power. Yeah. Not a The brakes have a lot more power. The engine doesn't. of power. It's like they're deliberately avoiding the elephant in the room. I guess that's why it's the elephant in the room. <laughs> I mean, not anything addressing power, but they touched every other part in the car. Yeah. I don't get it. So... They're going to sell cars. I think it's more of a marketing-based decision than a, wow, our Camry's a TRD. We can keep up with our neighbors fill-in-the-blank of hot sports car here. No, you can't. <laughs> <laughs> Don't even try. It's still a Camry at the end of the day. There was a question from Duro Rockwell on Instagram. What are the, where do the scratches in the scallops of the door handles come from? I don't wear a ring, and I've noticed them in my current car and past cars as well. It just doesn't make any sense. I think they creep up. I've noticed them too, actually. It's... Fingernails, really. Fingernails, it's, yeah. That's what I think. You know, you don't really pay attention, and your fingernails, just the tops of them scrape your, your scallops. Yeah, just adds up over time. Kind of does. It's not anything to worry about, really. And you can, you know, if you really want to polish them out, you can. Yeah. So Cam Automag is asking me how I like my new Beetle. <laughs> and along with uh, Easy Zipperer asks how I like the 996 so far compared to the Boxster. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's kind of a hard question. It's hard to compare the two because they're so different. 
the nine the nine nine six mine is all wheel drive and it's rear engine of course yeah it's yeah. bigger more power uh, but it doesn't really weigh any more than the Boxster does. It weighs about the same actually. Mm-hmm. And uh, but the Boxster is is mid engine three wheel drive. It's ours has a little less power, but it's. I think the Boxster Cayman that chassis is just the most perfect sports car on the planet. And. I'm not saying that to butter you up or anything. You're buttering me up but over here. That's you drive them, and you're just like, "This is right." This the is car wild. rotates around you. You get into it, and it's like uh, our friend Ty. He said it after driving our car. He's like, "It's like putting on a backpack." Uh huh. And you're going hiking. It's just you don't notice it's there. It's just it does everything you want it to do around you. Pretty much. Whereas the 911, when you get it wrong, it will bite you in the butt. <laughs> Didn't you go sliding around in an empty parking lot with your new snow tires on? No. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I don't either. Yeah, need, need I say more? We've got a Caymans, Generations of Caymans episode coming out for season four. And season four starts first Saturday in January on the Motor Trend Network, but that will also push to Amazon Prime. But yes, we do talk about Caymans, all three of the generations. Lots of fun. Uh, what else? Ariopolis on Instagram asked about electric cars and said jason from engineering explained just posted his video on his electric car the nissan leaf yes we definitely saw that do we have any plans to add an all-electric car to our fleet (laughs) our fleet all of our cars (laughs) yes and do some reviews and long-term reviews well yes there are electric cars that we are planning on namely jaguar i-pace and some other electric cars that are on our minds for season five crazy enough unfortunately my actually stand-up review from pebble beach of the byton both the uh both cars that they had there were part of the data that disappeared off our laptops when they were stolen yeah. so that uh doesn't exist anymore even though yeah i spent a lot of time with the byton folks but that just means we'll get into a byton at some point and we'll do a proper review because that was really a stand-up review you know i was sitting yeah. in the car and uh bones me out but we just we lost so much data but uh, we'll get in the Byton and uh, actually, you know, give it a proper review at some point. But yes, I don't know that we might be adding to the fleet necessarily, but we're going to be certainly getting into press cars and various electric cars for sure. Yeah, when when the Model Three first launched, well, not launched when they were started taking reservations, my wife and I almost put in a reservation. I know you did. We, we were close to doing that, and then we didn't because we were in the process of buying a house. Right. And trying to buy a car and a house at the same time is not a good idea. You should have, like, combined lenders that with a new dog. Lenders and, don't like that kind of thing. Yeah, like, get get it all at once. Like, add the stress level all yeah, at once. Yeah, But uh, I'm kind of glad we didn't for the sole reason that they are way more expensive than we thought they were going to be. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I'd, I'd yeah. still take one, I think, for a, a commute car. I think they'd be great. Yeah, I think that'd be... Well, they'd be good, actually. I think they'd be good. I'm yeah. starting to see them around. They're... They're, yeah. they're ubiquitous now. They're but, finally in production, but, clearly. But uh, uh, Oliver T. Hinton on Facebook is asking uh, what my, my go-to lens is to shoot at auto shows. I didn't shoot anything at this year's auto show because I don't have a camera right now. But uh, <laughs> oh, there is that. Why? Was it stolen? Yeah, it was, actually. Funny you should ask. Um, <laughs> I, I was using a Canon 6D camera body with a uh, 24 to 105 lens, which gives you a good range of, of you get some zoom, you get some, some wide. It's not the fastest lens out there, so it's, it's kind of tricky with some of the low light, but uh, it gives you. It's a pretty flexible lens to work with. That's, that's cool. That's what I. 
my go-to was for that. Guys, we will leave things there. Thank you a million for your questions, honestly. Thank you for the support of the show and uh, all your questions and your debates. We, it really makes a difference just from you guys engaging with the show. We really appreciate it. And I really am going to release the Corvette film announcement to everybody. Todd is just very busy right now. We're locking picture, getting a lot of things done. It's we're going to we're going to land. We're going to cross the finish line on this and it's going to be one of those films that I cannot wait to share with all of you. So I hope you really enjoy it, but look for those announcements yep. here in another week or so. It's been a fight. Oh my god. But of all the all the rough cuts yeah. I've seen so far, it's it's going to look so good and be so worth it. I, yeah. It's going to be so worth we it. We keep going back and forth and I know Todd's buried down in he's so close to it. It's he's sending us rough cuts and so we'll step away and add our feedback and commentary yeah. and make changes. Even one of the guys who has actually helped co-produce the film, he's a Corvette guru. He's kind of the guy that GM calls when they need to know stuff about the Corvette. He's that yeah. guy. Yeah. And so we've had him as technical advisor and we've been sending stuff to him. And so he's been giving us great feedback and it's, it's a struggle, but all this footage whittled down into a 103 minute film. It's going to be, quite the epic yeah epic throwdown and uh yeah it does include the 2019 zr1 <laughs> anyway yeah. i'll leave it there thank you guys a million looking forward to next time cheers I'm Rita Foley with an AP News Minute. Federal government worker Blake Murray in D.C. says he's pretty much had it with the partial government shutdown. It's pretty demoralizing, um, you know, and I feel like kind of a pawn in a political game and totally powerless. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi is asking President Trump to postpone his January 29th State of the Union address, citing security concerns. But Republicans say this is just politics, shutdown politics, a move intended to keep President Trump off the national stage. Going to prison for 20 years, a Tennessee teacher who took a 15-year-old student and ran for weeks. Prosecutor Dan Cochran. I think it's a serious sentence. 20 years is a significant amount of time. He's going to have all that time to think about what he did, the consequences of it. We asked for 30, obviously, but 20 is a very serious sentence, and we feel good about it. An employee and a customer at an IHOP restaurant in Huntsville, Alabama, were killed in a shooting that also injured another employee. I'm Rita Foley.